Blog Talk Radio. What we need is some sort of revolution. Pain and greed, there's gotta be retribution. Do we all just run and hide? Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Stay in Sports podcast. Uh, this is Sean Kernahan, joined as always by Torsten Sporn, uh, led in once again by The Departed. Uh, before I introduce Torsten, let me just quickly say what we're going to be doing tonight uh, with the GM meetings uh, finishing up tomorrow down in Florida and the hot stove season officially kicking off. Uh, we figure we'll do uh, a draft. Kind of The theory of it is kind of looking at it as an expansion team and we're each drafting played from the available free agency to draft the team, all the positions, plus the DH. And then we're going to draft eight pitchers, um, whether we do four starters, four relievers, five starters, and uh, three relievers. We'll be determining kind of how the draft goes along and how we want to do that. But the thought is, is each player is given a five-year deal, uh, so we're not going to be signing anybody like a guy like an A.J. Prezinski in his late 30s uh, is falls his value falls a little bit in this type of scenario. Uh, but with that, Torsten and I started to talk earlier. Torsten is going to uh, get the draft kicked off. We've got 34 players, 30 minutes. That's why we're jumping into it quickly. So welcome, Torsten. And when you're ready, go ahead and make the first pick. Thank you. Thank you. I am ready, and I'm going to start it off with Jason Hayward. Um, normally the consensus as far as the best available player and me don't always agree, but uh, this is one of those cases where we do. His value in terms of defense, base running, offense, everything together is off the charts. And at age 26, somebody is going to give him $200 million this offseason, and he's going to be worth it. So he's my first overall pick. Yeah, and that gives me the, the second pick is pretty obvious in Zach Greinke. Those are really the one-two at the top of uh, the drafts. Um, for my, uh, we're doing the snake draft, so I get two picks in a row here. Going back and forth a bunch, whether to double up on the pitchers or not, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm going to David Price um, and basically doing what the Dodgers want to do, and that's why I was Zach Greinke and David Price. That's actually a good strategy, and I agree with what you did there. Uh, with the fourth overall pick, I am going to, based on positional scarcity, take Matt Wieters. He's the best catcher available. He's not a suck hole on offense, and he's far and away – the best defensive catcher on the market, so it's Matt Wieters for me. And you get to go yet again. No, I think we're alternating now, aren't we? Didn't we do the snake no, at the beginning? We're, and we're, we're, we're in snake, so you can go ahead and get two, and then I go with two. Okay, sounds well, good. If you want, if you want to alternate, we can do it. As you can see, we clearly had a great pre-show meeting. Yeah. We are absolutely on point today here, but that's all right. I'll make another pick, and it's going to be, again, based on positional scarcity, Ian Desmond. He had a really, really bad start to the season, but the bat for 25 home runs is there, and his defense has really come around. If I'm not wrong, he was a gold glove finalist. Uh, I actually disagree with you on the Ian Desmond pick just because I think that the shortstop is not as uh, shallow. I think there's three viable guys there. Um, So... I like Ian Desmond. I just think that uh, there were two, three guys there, so that was not necessarily the shallowest of positions. 
Um, the outfield is clearly not shallow in any way. Um, this pick I'm going to make is a little bit of uh, Homer pick isn't the right word because, uh, but I'm going to say Alex Gordon. Um, I got to know the guy a little bit in this spring, um, watching him, uh, and just kind of get to know him and see him what they did. Uh, I really like him. I think he's a special player, so I'm going to take Alex Gordon. And then uh, I know there's you know, two guys at second base that really top the list, uh, but Ben Zobrist, I believe, is uh, 34 or 35. So if we're looking at a five-year deal, he's going to be 40 by the end of that. So I'm going to go Howie Kendrick at second base for me. Not bad. I would have taken Zobrist if I were you. Um, at this particular point in time, I'm going to go with the top slugger on the market, and that's Chris Davis. He's not as bad at first base as everybody says he is. Um, the range is better than Adrian Gonzalez. The hands maybe aren't, but I'm betting on 2015 and 2013 Chris Davis, not 2014. Picking again subsequently after that, and we said we were not going to – we are going to go with a pseudo best available thing. We weren't going to hold off on picking a second baseman just because you just picked one. We are going to try to do this as realistically as possible. So Ben Zobrist is going to be my pick. I do understand that in the context of a five-year contract, uh, he will be 40 by the end of it, but I'm betting uh, with this particular signing in the next year or two. He's in the top 10 in war for the last five years by any metric, by any site that uses that metric. So uh, he's a fantastic player still. Uh, fair enough. Uh, like I said, I just question the age on him. Um, for me, I'm going to go and uh, fill out my outfield back-to-back picks. I'm going to take uh, Cespedes uh, in right field. I actually don't know what his best position is. I think he's very overrated defensively uh, because he has such a strong arm. Um, I think he's actually suspect in his defense itself. But you can't question his bat. Uh, In center field, I kind of went back and forth. Dexter Fowler, another guy who... Uh, he's kind of overrated defensively, uh, but but span is pretty much purely speed there. I'm going to go with Dexter Fowler in center field to round out my outfield and then solidify it. Not a bad choice. I think at this particular point in time, I am going to uh, begin my foray into the pitching market, but it's probably not going to be who you think. I'm going to take Darren O'Day. He is far and away the best relief pitcher available on the market for the last four years. He's been practically unhittable. If you look at his whip, it's far below one. ERA is kind of an outdated stat, but his is microscopic. People can't touch him. There aren't any real closers on the market, but for the purposes of this draft, I got my closer. Following that up, I am going to go with, in my opinion, the most underrated starter available on the market, and that is is Jordan Zimmerman of the Washington Nationals formerly. I think that this last year, 2015, was a little uh, an aberration for him. I think bad luck had to do with his stats not being as good as they were in previous years. I think that he's every bit as good of a pitcher as Zach Greinke in the right ballpark. As soon as you started to say underrated, I went ahead and made my cross Jordan Zimmerman off my notes because I knew exactly where you're going. I completely agree with you there. Um, my next pick, I'm going to go ahead and to me there were two clear-cut uh, top and relief pitchers. 
available and the fact that you took one of them, I actually is going to have me take a relief pitch a little bit earlier than I originally anticipated. Uh, but uh, like I said, there's really only two high-quality relievers on the market. So I'm going to go ahead and take Tony Sip. And uh, then at third base, I hate the third the, the guys available at third base. And I'm going to pick somebody who has seen a little bit of time there in the past, uh, had a great postseason until the end when he really didn't. Uh, I think he's going to get overpaid. But at this point, um, I'm going to go ahead and take Daniel Murphy and put him at my third base slot. A little bit surprised by that pick, but I'm not going to begrudge you the choice. I watched him single-handedly destroy the Dodgers in the uh, National League playoffs this year. All right, good choice on Tony Sip, too, by the way. All right, I am going to go with a theme of defense, uh, continuing to fill out my outfield here. This is a guy that my wife would absolutely punch me in the balls for picking, but I'm going with Gerardo Parra. Did you put him in left was, or I am going to play him in left, and depending on whether or not I grab Denard Span later, Hayward is going to play in center for me or possibly right. And yeah, unless I'm mistaken, do I still get another pick here? You do get to go again. I do get to go again. I am going to go with uh, another starting pitcher at this point, and this is the guy who I think had a fantastic season and a very, very tough ballpark to pitch in, and that's Giovanni Gallardo. I'm not concerned with the declining strikeout rates. I love the durability and that he goes deep into every game. I'm betting that with the decreased strikeout rates and more balls in play with a solid defense behind him, he's still uh, a solid number two slash three starter. Yeah, Gallardo was very good for a Rangers team who really came on hard at the end. And there was a point in time that he was the ace and not uh, Cole Hamels, who they had traded for. Uh, at this point, uh, I'm going to have to go ahead and double up on some starting pitchers. Um, start is going to be Johnny Cueto. He, he was another ace, so to speak, that moved at the trade deadline. And he, he's just one of the better pitchers out in the market. He is hot and cold, but when he's on, he's absolutely on. And another guy who I think is underrated, uh, I'm going to say Mike Leake. I think that he, he's kind of been lost uh, in some of the smaller market, but I think yeah, if he gets picked up by a larger team, he's, uh, he's the type of guy who won't put up great numbers, but when you look at it at the end, uh, he won't look dominant, but when you look at it at the end, he'll put up great numbers, and he can win you 16, 17, 18, 19 uh, ball games. I, I, think, I really like Mike Leake. Yeah, he's uh, he's a little better than he gets credit for, uh, absolutely. I would not give Johnny Cueto a five-year contract if four of them were guaranteed by insurance. I think he pitched great in the World Series, but uh, that shoulder is giving me some serious concerns. I'm going to dip back into the bullpen area here, and in today's specialized, specialized world of baseball, um, you can't ignore the loogies. And uh, so I'm going to take Antonio Bastardo. He's an uh, absolute murder on left-handed pitch and left-handed hitting. And uh, if you're, uh, you know, playing in the sabermetric era and you're building a team in 2000, for 2016 and beyond, you have to have a guy that can get a uh, tough left-handed hitter out late in the game. And for me, that's Bastardo. And uh, one of the things that neither of us mentioned at the very beginning, we are employing a DH spot for the purpose of this draft, and that's going to be Justin Upton for me. 
Yeah, I just actually looked at that and saw that he was still out there. Kind of, an, I think, an oversight by both of us letting him put this far. But at the same time, kind of shows goes to show uh, how much his stock has fallen over the last uh, year and a half or so. Which is weird. He hit 29 home runs or something close to that last year. So It, it was one of those. It was with a, a team that you just – in. Uh, a Petco that is playing better for hitters than the uh, bandbox, than the you know not the opposite bandbox, the giant ballpark it was it once was, but you know he just it was one of those out of sight out of mind because the Padres um, just were not um, they they weren't in it towards the end so it was one of like I said out of sight out of mind, and he had been such a big trade to begin the year. And, and then to have just really what was a disappointing outfield down in San Diego. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then for me, um, I am going to go ahead and pick up a shortstop. The debate between the Jubal Cabrera and Alexi Ramirez. I have long life with Jubal Cabrera, I, I, so I, I'm going to go with him. I think Alexi Ramirez has more better defensive upside. I think Cabrera has more of the offensive upside. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and pick up as Drupal Cabrera. And then a guy that has, wasn't long ago was considered one of the best relievers in one of the best bullpens in baseball. And they kind of slipped a little bit and, and uh, was kind of considered the third best guy in the bullpen coming into the year in New York, I'm going to say Tyler Clipper. He's a guy that has closer stuff, and he just hasn't really been able to harness it of late. But he looked halfway decent in the World Series and some, in some big spots, and I like Tyler Clipper to add to my bullpen. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy that I was hoping the Dodgers would pick up for the stretch run before the Mets got him, and unfortunately that didn't happen. Um, at this particular point, I'm going to go back to my starting rotation. I noticed that I don't have a lefty yet, and uh, while I'm not Scott Kazmir's biggest fan, I do think that, again, in the right ballpark, meaning not in that tiny little minute-made band box that they have down there in Houston, that he can still be a very, very effective starting pitcher. So he's going to be one pick. And then I'm going to round out my bullpen and uh, – Pick a guy that performed in the long relief role in the playoffs a few years ago for the San Francisco Giants after an entire career as a starter and was practically unhittable, and that's Tim Lincecum. I don't think that he's the multiple-time Cy Young Award winner anymore or the same guy that threw, has two career no-hitters. But uh, I think that in a one- or two-inning role, long relief, that he could still be uh, among the elite relief pitchers in baseball. Yeah, Lincecum was a guy I looked at, and I wasn't sure whether to add to my list or not. Um, there's plenty of uh, relievers available. I think that the reliever market is going to be one of those that it's completely overlooked because there's not going to be a whole lot of big names. But I think there's a lot of the a lot of quality seventh inning guys, uh, which every team does need, but they're just not the big name or the big money guys. And to me, Lincecum has just been more too much of a uh, He's been too up and down uh, for me. I think there's some guys that are a little more reliable than that, but uh, he is one of the bigger names available in the uh, the market for the bullpen. At this point, I'm going to go ahead and you got Matt Wieters early on the position scarcity. 
Um, and at this point, I, I just need to put somebody in that catching spot. There's quite a few guys I kind of looked at. There's really not a good number two catcher out there. Um, and I can, I think that the best number two, the, the second best catcher in the market is Giovanni Soto. So I'm going to add him there to my on my team. He, he guy was once either rookie of the year or run up to rookie of the year. He was absolutely fantastic early in his career, and then kind of was he just never recaptured that. But he's had some quality offensive seasons. Um, he's still relatively young. I think he's 30-31. Uh, I think he could still put up some decent offensive numbers. And uh, at this point, I'm going to turn to uh, the Asian market uh, and the debate between whether going to Japan or Korea. Um, but I'm going to go Korea uh, and take Byung-ho Park um, based on position scarcity at this point because there are so many uh, – there's a lot of pitchers on the market this year. Um, Byung Young uh, Ho Park was on the same team as Jung Ho Gong uh, two years ago. Uh, Gong came in and was a potential rookie of the year type guy. Uh, you could argue he actually had a better rookie year than Chris Bryant in the National League, given his the fact that he played third base and shortstop and hit well. Uh, he, I doubt he wins the rookie of the year, but he's definitely uh, in the conversation for it. And then Bingo Park comes in the year after uh, Gong leaves and puts up, you could argue, even better numbers than Gong did out there. More power hit for a better average. Uh, he just absolutely crushed the ball there. I heard some comps to a Mitch Moreland, and if he comes out and is a Mitch Moreland type guy, he's going to be worth the posting fee that I believe the Twins wound up making. Uh, so I'm going to add Byung Young, Young Ho Park. Uh, as my first baseman. I, too, am going to dip into the Asian market, and I'm going to Japan, where I, we don't know yet if the Hiroshima Carp are going to post Kenta Maeda, but he's going to be, uh, we're going to operate under the assumption that they are, and he's going to be my pick. If you have the Bleacher Stream app on your phone, there's a great article that's from Fangraphs that's linked to on uh, Kenta Maeda. It starts out as not being overly complimentary due to his lack of general velocity, but uh, it does play up. He throws multiple breaking pitches for strikes and has an outstanding changeup. Um, they're, they're saying that he could profile out as maybe a number three starter. I think the ceiling's a little bit higher. Um, you don't know always what you're getting from Japan because there's a lack of sophisticated scouting going on, but uh, the comps play out pretty favorably for him. And then uh, I still have one spot left in my starting rotation. And if we're operating under the notion of a five-year contract, this makes me kind of shake in my boots a little bit. But I'm going to go ahead and sign 37-year-old John Lackey. I challenge anybody over the last 15 years to find me a better postseason pitcher between when he started Game 7 of the World Series for the Angels and now. In my opinion, of this generation, there has not been a better postseason pitcher. So uh, he's going to fill out my starting rotation. That's number five for me. I'm also going to finish up my starting rotation. And the lackey pick, like you said, the age factor would make you definitely nervous with that. Um, but I agree with you in the fact what he's done in the postseason. Um, he's been fantastic. I, I'm going to go and, and I look at the list. 
you know, leave guys like Jeff Samarja, um, Marco Estrada undrafted in this. But I'm going to take uh, Wei Ying Chen, who has been absolutely fantastic for Baltimore of late and, to me, completely underrated there. Um, and then I've got a DH spot and a relief pitcher spot, and I'm shocked when I look at the time to see we've actually flown through this. Um, so when it comes to the – I was debating earlier whether to take a Jumel Cabrera or Alexi uh, Ramirez. So I'm going to put Alexi Ramirez in as my DH, and he and Cabrera can uh, rotate around uh, at shortstop. So I'm going to pick Alexi Ramirez. That's a pretty light bat that you're sliding into the DH spot there, but I guess you have to deal with the players that are left. Um, at this particular there's not a whole lot of big bats left over. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot. Uh, maybe if I were you, I would take Colby Rasmus to be a part-time outfielder or a DH, but uh, but I'm not you. Um, I have an outfield spot left to fill. Um, Rasmus is tempting, but I'm going to go with uh, Denard Spann, who's got a wealth of experience in center field. I'm going to bet metaphorically that his back injury is going to be a thing of the past and that he's going to turn into a dynamic defensive center fielder and a serviceable leadoff hitter to boot. And that leaves me with my third base spot to fill. And I am going to go with an old, 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 in multiple senses of the word, favorite of mine from his time on the Dodgers, and that's Juan Uribe. I think that uh, if not for Nolan Arenado being in the National League, that Juan Uribe could have had at least one, if not two, gold gloves at third base. I think the metrics, which weigh range a little bit too heavily, in my opinion, for corner infielders, kind of skew down his value defensively. And, uh, you know, he may not be a 25 home run guy anymore, but double digit power is still there. And from solid defense at third base, I think you could do a lot worse with your last pick. So it's going to be Poppy, Juan Uribe for me. And then for me, I got to round out my relief pitchers. And uh, I'm going to add Mark Lowe. Um, again, another one of those guys who, who's not gonna not gonna make a whole lot of news headlines, but can certainly help a, a bullpen out. Um, so let's go ahead and quickly take a look at your team. Uh, you've got uh, the Orioles guys at, at catcher in first, and Matt Leaders and Chris Davis, followed by Ben Zobris second, Juan Uribe at third, Ian Desmond at short. Uh, outfield, uh, mix and match of Gerardo Pard, Denard Spann, Jason Hayward, Justin Upton, and their rotation, Jordan Zimmerman, Giovanni Guiardo, Scott Kazer, Kenta Maeda, and John Lackey, and then a bullpen of Daniel Day, Antonio, Antonio Bastardo, and Tim Lincecum. Um, to me, I love the bats you have, especially in the outfield, but as a whole, you, to me, you took some uh, risk with some of the uh, older guys who you kind of playing for today in the five-year contract uh, scheme of, look at this, of this exercise. Well, the problem is with five-year contracts and free agency, uh, Jason Hayward is the anomaly. He's the 26-year-old who's going to sign an eight-year deal, most likely, and still be on the right side of 35 to where you can sign one more lucrative contract. You're dealing with guys, the majority of these guys, who by the end of a five-year contract are going to be 37 or older. So, uh, yeah, I understand that there's some risk involved, but, you know, um, I think that especially in the next uh, three or four years, this is the team 
the best team that you can put together um, in this particular scenario where uh, you don't have your pick of everybody. You have to pick who's left based on who you're drafting it with. If I think I'm weak in uh, one spot, I would have liked to have one of the aces uh, as my starting pitcher. I would have liked to have either Granky or Price, but I'm not surprised that you uh, took them at two and three. I would have done the same thing. And if I could do one pick over, maybe I would have skipped Tim Lincecum and saved my last pick for Trevor Cahill, who uh, looked pretty good for the Cubbies down the stretch in a bullpen role. And I think his lack of polish and command will be played down in a bullpen role rather than a starter where he's expected to go six or seven innings. Yeah, and for me, I, Cahill was the guy I was debating the last pick between him and Mark Lowe, and I wanted to go with Mark Lowe. Um, my team wound up being Giovanni Soto, Young Ho Park, Howie Kendrick, Daniel Murphy, I put at third base. As Jules Cabrera and Alexia Ramirez between shortstop and DH. Outfield, I got Alex Gordon, Dexter Fowler, Jonas Cespedes. And then a strong pitching staff is Zach Rankin, David Price, Johnny Cueto. Those are the top three of a pitching staff you can't really complain about. And then Mike Leake and Wei-Yin Chen with Tony Sipp, Tyler Clippard, and Mark Lowe as my relievers. Um, to me, obviously, you said it when I made the pick. Uh, the DH spot was kind of weak for me there. That if I would have redone one pick, um, I, the 10th guy on my team was Mike Leake. Uh, the next pick, you took Justin Upton. Um, I, I, if I would have done it over, I would have taken Justin Upton and put him in as my DH at that point. Um, and then, really, there's the catcher and first base, third base. There's just not – for third base, to me, there's not a first option. Um, I would be interested to see if somebody does put Daniel Murphy at third. Uh, he's not your typical second base uh, defensive uh, guy. He, he showed about that. He showed that at the end of the World Series. Um that he is not an elite defensive second baseman, not an elite defender, period. So he might, so some team might be able to put him at third base and let his bat do more of the work there. Um, but a catcher on first base, you you were the first to go at both of those positions. There's a clear drop-off. Um, a catcher, you know, after Matt Wieters, I took Giovanni Soto. The other three guys I looked at were Alex Avila, who had a terrible year hitting under 200. Gareth Sultan, Lockett, Dion, and Navarro. There's just not much there. Um, at first base, the other options to me were Sean Rodriguez and Mark Reynolds. Again, nothing great there. So uh, there's just some spots that the free agency market isn't deep. But one thing that I would say is if te- those teams are looking for pitchers, this is going to be one heck of a year with guys like Granky, Price, Cueto, Zimmerman, Gallardo, Leak, Kazmir, Maeda, Chen, like we said, Samarja wasn't picked up. Marco Estrada is out there. There's a ton of uh, arms out there. And so there's some power can definitely shift uh, based on signings or starting pitching. Absolutely. And there's another couple of guys, too, uh, that if somebody in the real baseball world wants to give him uh, a invite to spring training, he'll probably make the team as a back-of-the-rotation starter, and that's Bartolo Colon. He's uh proven that you don't need velocity to get guys out. You basically just got to throw strikes with a little bit of late movement. And, you know, he, uh, I still think that he's a very, very serviceable starting pitcher at age 42. And I think that Doug Fister at only 31 is young enough to recover from what turned out to be a really, really bad season for the Washington Nationals in which he lost his rotation spot. 
But the numbers, if you look into the metrics of it, will blame that a little bit more on bad luck than bad pitching. So he's another guy of the free agent pitchers out there that's probably going to get somebody some pretty good value for a minimal investment. You might be able to get Doug Fister on a one-year prove-it deal, similar to the way the Dodgers signed Brett Anderson. And you look at Fister, he's a ground ball pitcher, and at the beginning of the year there was no uh, worse defensive infield than the Washington Nationals. Oh, good God, it was terrible. <laughs> Interesting, just popped up on my phone. The Braves are currently interested discussing a trade involving Angelton Simmons out of an unnamed NL West club. That's something interesting there. I know who uh, they are. When it comes to that. Uh, <laughs> uh, do they have a big payroll? Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, the one thing big... I will say... <laughs> Uh, the one guy I, I'm interested in seeing, and just because he's so much fun to watch on the mound, maybe in his own way even more fun to watch on the mound than Bartolo Colon. The guy I sent you a video of uh, back in spring training, I don't remember if it was a backfielder on the, uh, the main field, but Ross Ollendorf and his 1920s windup. Uh, but all of a sudden he was on the mound throwing 96, 97 this year. Uh, he could actually sneak in and be a quality arm in a bullpen somewhere, and he's a lot of fun to watch with that crazy windup he's got going. For sure. Now, with that, we're winding it up. Uh, I'm sure with the winter meeting is less than a month away, um, football season wrapping up, uh, Torsten looking at the football uh, playoff rankings the other day and saying, why the hell is Clemson number one, along with many people in the country? Uh, we'll definitely get more podcasts out uh, in the coming weeks and months. We'll try to make this more consistent thing. And with that, thank you for listening. Thank you, everybody, and have a great rest of your week.